0: This is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. There are over 19.9 million Catholics in India, which is about 1.5 percent of the total population of India. Which doesn't seem like a lot unless you then think about the Catholic Church is the largest Christian church in India. With 174 dioceses, 29 provinces, uh, a variety of rites within the church. The Latin Catholic Church, the syro Malabar Church, uh, the Malankara Syrian Catholic Church. And despite the fact that there's this small percentage, India has the second largest Catholic population in Asia after the Philippines. I didn't know any of those things until I chatted with my friend Percival Holt. Percival and I had the chance to meet one another at the precented Gathering of Young Adults in March of 2018, and I was immediately struck by his joy and his commitment to articulating what's really going on in India, which is this remarkable growth of the Catholic Church, Again, we hear that number 1.55% of the total population, and yet it is the largest Christian denomination. The bishops in India clearly have a focus and a purpose, and it's to grow and to evangelize, to send out young people as missionaries, to grow as disciples, all the buzzwords that we would expect to hear. But yet in India, it's working in a really beautiful and remarkable way. And Percival, my guest today, has been on the front lines, especially in the movement of Educating and guiding young people into an understanding of what it means to be a lifelong disciple. Like I mentioned, we had the chance to meet in Rome in March of 2018, and Percival was one of the young people who was chosen to speak on behalf of our entire group about the document, the letter that we wrote to the bishops. And he articulated in his presentation in the Vatican press room, and he represented all of us young people very well, that what young people long for is to be heard to be heard in the life of the church, to be valued, to be listened to. And it's those values, those desires to be listened to, that are shining forth in the Catholic Church in India today. Again, the second largest Catholic population in Asia after the Philippines, even though it's just 1.5% of the total population of Indians that are Catholic. This conversation about the Catholic Church in India, especially the vibrant young people in the Church in India, is all part of our AVE Explorer series about Catholicism around the world. What does the Church look like globally, and how does it help me appreciate my own local Catholic experience? This conversation with Percival is one that is challenging and enlightening, giving us yet another glimpse at what the Church looks like somewhere else on the map, another part of the globe, a church in Asia a church that is rapidly growing, a church that is vibrant and alive in India. So I hope that you enjoy today's conversation with Percival Holt about the vibrant young people growing in their faith in the Catholic Church in India. Well, Percival, thanks so much for joining us for AVE Explorers.
1: Okay. Uh, thank you so much, uh, KD. Yeah. And uh, is, this, is this already on record? Yes,
0: we're recording. Okay. Yeah, we're recording and then I'll edit it together at the end. Um, nobody's going to see the video. Don't worry. It's just the audio. No, no.
1: <laughs> That's okay. So I mean, even with the audio, I just want to know because then I will you know, speak accordingly and yeah. make sure I'm clear and all of that.
0: Excellent. Now, where okay. are you coming from, Percival? Where are you in the world right now?
1: Uh, I am at present in New Delhi in India, uh, which is the capital of India.
0: And have you lived there your whole life? Have you Did you move there as an adult?
1: Yes, I've been here all my life. I was born and brought up in Delhi itself.
0: Wonderful. Now, we met at the Pre-Synod, uh for Young People in March of 2018, which seems like just yesterday, but it's nearly three years ago. Um, and I, I know a bit of your story, how you've gotten involved in youth and young adult ministry, but tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're doing, uh, and maybe some things that you love about... India specifically?
1: Mm, well, uh, I completed my master's post-graduation in uh, biotechnology in the year 2018. And uh, I've been in the youth ministry for the last 10 years now. And uh, I've held various uh, so uh, posts. I'll be sharing about how it works in India later. So I've held various posts at the diocesan level I worked. I worked at the regional level and then at the national level. And that's when I also attended the synod. And uh, at present, uh, I finished my term, I was the national president for uh, the Catholic young people in India. And I finished my term and at present I'm uh, uh, working as, uh, I was helping to set up uh, the new, we have a new National Youth Centre under the Bishop's Conference in India. So I was helping in setting it up and most likely I will be appointed as the manager of the centre. Nice. So that is what <clears throat> that is what I'm doing at the moment, and also helping youth ministry in various capacities at the national level and uh, various other levels possible. Um, and uh, as, of course, I've been born and brought up in India, so it's it's been nice because uh, uh, being in the youth ministry, I also got to uh, travel across the entire country, uh, almost all the states of India, more than uh, 40 cities I've traveled across India. So... It also gave me the opportunity to see the diversity of uh, of the country, culture, um, ethnicity, language, food, a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So I think that is the first thing that I love the most about India, because in, in one country itself, uh, there is such diversity of, uh, you know, especially culture or language that one wouldn't just one wouldn't believe that they both exist in the same country, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, be it in terms of uh, the, the, the clothes you wear or even in terms of the, the, uh, the personality, you know, uh, your entire lifestyle also. You know, there are parts of the country, the metropolitans, where it's uh, pretty much like the, you know, like we probably said the Western culture and, you know, pubs and uh, nightlife and all of that. There are uh, other parts of the country which also are, you know, cities, but then there is, you know, there's no nightlife. It's, it's a very peaceful, there are parts where it is uh, very, you know, cultural, very, uh, you know, homely. People will spend most of the times at home and, you know, certain skill development and these things <clears throat> There are also tribal areas in the country. So I think this is uh, what I, I love the best uh, part of India.
0: So with that diversity, what do you think is one of the defining features of, of New Delhi where you are... Um in your country and and what, you know, if I were to hop off a plane to come visit you or to come visit my other friends in India, we have some priests from India in the Diocese of Lake Charles who always go home for holidays. What would I see? Like, what would be one of the first things I see that captures my attention about New Delhi?
1: Well, um, New Delhi, I think the first thing that will catch your attention is uh, it's busy and crowded. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I think that is the first thing. But uh, apart from that, uh, again, even in New Delhi, I think New Delhi is, is the only city in India where um, it does not have a, a predominant culture. It does not have a culture of its own or, or, or you know, an in, or a historical um, culture, basically, of its own. You know, you, you will find people of all cultures here, all cultures, all traditions, all faiths. Uh, even people of no faith you know and everybody feels equal here you know there's no particular language that dominates the city so I think the first thing that you will notice is the crowd and in the crowd you will see people of all races and colors and tribes and uh, yeah.
0: Do you find that within the church so in the Catholic experience in New Delhi you know there's all this diversity does that translate into say worship and to parish communities and the work that you're doing with youth ministry?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I was, in fact, having this discussion with someone just recently yesterday, you know, over, uh, you know, uh, it it, it absolutely translates. Like, you know, in in New Delhi, in the churches, for example, the prayers or the masses or anything, uh, it it mostly happens either in English or uh, in Hindi. Because Mm -hmm. Hindi is, again, the second most common language in the country. Uh, So it's either English or Hindi, that's about, you know, the language part, because again, now whether a person is from the South or the North or the East or the West, but then, you know, we managed to settle with these two languages. Um, again, in the parish communities and, you uh, know, all these places you will see, even though if someone is from the South, you know, uh, for example, marrying someone from the East is, is very common and you will not see that cultural barrier. It, it's, it's not like the South ones will, will you know, uh, uh have a tendency to attract one another it's it's, it's uh, there is this now uh, a very general feeling of whether you belong to a specific tribe or a race or a cultural background but then in, in the ones the people who are here in delhi they tend to all feel, uh, feel like uh, you know one alike mm-hmm. they, they tend to feel we are the same, you know, they, they would not want. I know of a friend of mine, you know, he was from the south, and when he got married, he says, No, I'm not going to have anything of my original culture, I want it, you know, uh, just like how it would be in Delhi. You know? So mm-hmm. uh, that's how it is.
0: Mm-hmm. When it and comes...
1: even in terms of, uh, you know, we, we share it, no, go ahead, you know, go ahead. I was uh, just also adding, and we there is also, you know, we share each other's culture. Mm-hmm. Now, for example, if I my, my ancestry is basically from the west. Uh, of India. But then I feel one with maybe South Indian traditions, wearing their attires, uh, you know, maybe the dance of the tribals, uh, you know, maybe even the language, uh, you know, we, we sing each other's languages and mm-hmm. carol singing or in, in, in during the Eucharist. So I think uh, that is how, yeah, it, it translates, that culture translates into the uh, community life also.
0: Now you have been very involved in, the youth ministry efforts across India. Um, Like you said, you mentioned you were the president of, of, I want to get that term correct, the president of the Catholic youth of India. What is that all about? How is it structured? How is it organized? We we had a podcast episode with Brenda Noriega and she was talking about how there's this huge... um, there's revelation when she came to the states of how involved the laity are in the church in the United States of America. Is that the same in India? That laity really take an active leadership role, that they they're the driving force behind things within within the church in the country.
1: Uh well, yes, it's pretty much the same in India also, because I remember I we I used to always be part of these meetings and dialogues. And you know, I was always curious to know how was it in other countries, you know? And uh, during the synod is when I got to understand how it is in different countries. And I was uh, really happy to know that India is one of the countries uh, that has a lot of lay involvement. Uh, Because for years now, at least, I would say at least for the last maybe three or four decades, there has been this revolution of uh, more lay involvement. Mm. So we have lay associations, we have in a parish, we have a Catholic association as well as a parish council. Similarly, even in the youth ministry, it was in the year 2000 that it was structured. So we have, uh, uh, you know, by I would say by the grace of God, we have structured youth ministry in India. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's like a well-structured uh, system at the national level. Under the bishops conference, we have a commission for the youth, which is headed by three bishops, then a priest, uh, a nun as uh, the animator, and then uh, young people as the office bearers. So we will have a president, a secretary, a a treasurer, and then a few more roles here and there. So, you know, that is how it is at the national level. It is a team of about 25 people. And then that translates into every other hierarchical level. So then we have a regional team. At the regional level, there will be a commission, a bishop, a priest, a nun, uh, young people as the uh, leaders. Similarly, at the diocesan level and the parish level and uh, this was structured and it's its uh, registered as a movement it's called indian catholic youth movement mm. which is the parochial movement of uh, the young adults uh, of the catholic church in india similarly there is a movement for students which is uh, it's, it's it's registered with iycs we call it in india uh, young catholic students and students movement so these two uh, form the main Uh, units of the Bishops' Conference, one for students, one for the parish ministry. And then, of course, uh, the Commission of the Bishops' Conference also collaborates with all the other movements. You know, maybe you can say uh, the various uh, lay associations or the, you know, other movements like Focolare or uh, Jesus Youth or uh, various other movements. And so because of this uh, structured ministry, at every level, the young people have uh, leadership roles to take up. Mm-hmm. so like that's how it began with me when i was uh, 17 i was elected and and it's this uh these young people they get these uh leadership roles by uh election it's it's mm-hmm. an electoral system where the young people of the system will vote and elect their leader mm-hmm. so it's it's also not you know a, a system where power is dominated by a few or you know mm-hmm. the one who's visible dominates like that's how when i was 17. In my parish, because I was probably back then the you know the most uh, the senior one of the eldest and uh, maybe visible ones. So the the young the the youth group of the parish elected me as the president. Hmm. Then I went on and then got elected into the diocesan team of Delhi Archdiocese, and then to the regional team as the regional president for North India region. And then similarly, uh, at the national level in 2018, where from all the so India is divided into 14 regions and 132 dioceses. So there are the the leaders of these 14 regions come together and elect the national team. Hmm. So that is how it works. And because of this, uh, the the main strengths of this structured ministry has been now, uh, we we complete 20 years last year. So in 20 years, we have seen it has the biggest strength is networking yeah. there is a networking and with you know we can network very easily like today i know i have friends across almost all the dioceses of india i know someone in every region so that networking is there we are able to share our experiences with one another you know share our programs with one another learn how they how ministries in that part of india and you know maybe the other part have some uh, exchange programs and the second thing is young people get uh, you know the the forefront the stage mm-hmm. so the the power lies in the hand of the president it is not in the hand of the the priest is the director and the bishop is the chairman yeah. so it's not in the uh chairman or the director's hand but the president has the power so i think that structure has uh now when we look back in 20 years empowered a lot of young people i would not say in the secular world much in in the professional world much but in the uh in the uh, pastoral life, yes, mm-hmm. you know, it has empowered a lot of young people to feel at that young age that, yes, I'm a leader. Yeah. I've been chosen. And then they they nurture that leadership skill. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether or not uh, professionally, but then in the church, it's it's now noticed they are the ones who will grow up and take up various ministries. They are the ones when they will become adults or, you know, I would say married, uh, middle-aged men. They will be heading maybe the parish council or maybe mm-hmm. uh, the Vincent de Paul Society or various associations uh, in the pastoral
0: life. Is one of but the goals, the, yeah. so that, I mean, there's this leadership opportunity for young people, but then when you're on this committee, when you're working in this team, what are some of the things that you're trying to do? So is it events? Is it just making sure that young people stay connected to the church? I mean, what's, what's the goal of gathering this leadership?
1: Um, so of course, uh, the, I mean, the movement or, you know, what we say, the Bishop's conference, the youth commission has a vision mission statement, you know, it has a pastoral plan. It has uh, objectives, vision, mission, all of that, and <clears throat> based on the local experiences, on the local realities, every uh, region and diocese also has their own, you know, vision and goal. So, the the main goals are: um, one is uh, formation, the other is evangelization. The other is, it's, it's basically holistic development. Mm-hmm. So it will, it, 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 the goals are not just spiritual formation, but also formation of the human person. Then maybe uh, his uh, professional life formation, that is his uh, vocation, and that translates into career and education, uh, a lot of things. And that, we, it, uh, it is carried out, or I would say it manifests in the form of, of course, in the form of programs, uh, events, training programs, a uh, lot of dialogue and uh, seminars and orientations uh, cultural programs also you know where you have a lot of competitions and fests so like that's what now over 20 years you know ideally every diocese would have a youth convention where they will gather a good number of young people for uh, basically a, an exchange program you know you share and uh, share community feeling and the fellowship Then they will have a training program, a leadership training program, then, you know, maybe a discipleship training program. There will be uh, spiritual events of maybe retreats or, you know, uh, catechetical formation programs. Mm -hmm. And then there will be various other cultural programs or sports related programs. Uh, It it, it, it depends. There are different programs that different groups come up with. And they put it together, of course, with an objective. Usually there's an objective. That's what we, we focus always, that any program should have an objective, whether it is, if it's even promoting young people to take up roles in, in public sphere as mm-hmm. political leaders or anything. Um,
0: yeah. Do you think it's working? I mean, it worked for you. You're still connected to the church, but are you seeing, I know in the States, we're struggling with a disaffiliation crisis. So it doesn't matter what we're doing. There's still going to be half of them that never come back after they're confirmed or a significant chunk of young people who just completely step away. Does this model of young people leading and priests and bishops allowing young people to take the lead, do you find that that's, that's appealing to your peers
1: I would say, I think in the beginning, there was a struggle or maybe when this structure was designed, maybe there there was a need to do it. Now, I think 20 years down the line, when we look back and try to evaluate, uh, it has worked to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. But it depends. At, at, At the bigger levels, at the national or the regional or diocesan level, it works. You know, these young people will be... Given that value, that position, they will be identified as leaders. Uh, you know, once they finish with their leadership profile uh, roles in in the youth ministry, because we have even an age bracket for uh, the ministry, you know, then they will usually be, uh, you know, valued or you know allowed to take up other roles. But then, yes, at the parish level, uh, it, it it varies. Mm-hmm. It again depends, as we say, you know, on the relationship with the priest, because at times there are places in the parish where. Uh, either the young people don't know what to do because they're new, they're, you know, just at that level. Because mm-hmm. now for someone like me who has been at the national level, international, I know. So even when I go back to the parish now, I can do a lot of things. Right. But then for someone, like when I was 17, it's it's very difficult to understand what do you do? What is youth ministry all about? Mm-hmm. You know, do I just come and have, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a paragraph writing competition on one Sunday or the other Sunday I have uh, an adoration no, so they, they don't get that idea. So right. sometimes it's either the young people don't know what to do or sometimes it's they don't receive the right guidance mm-hmm. you know, maybe the priests, the animators they're not able to guide them. Mm-hmm. So but then on the whole I, I would say um, it is working uh, because uh, uh, as long as it is because it is bound by policies, it is bound by a structure and a system that upholds you know the integrity of uh, the young people involved. Mm-hmm. So there is at least this um, now this urge of seeing the other and doing. So, you know, one parish, the youth would see, okay, that parish is doing well. And, you know, they would then try to also, uh, you know, take an inspiration. One region of the country would, you know, see that maybe a particular uh, region of the country is, uh, bring, you know, through the youth ministry, through this movement, they are emerging out as maybe great political leaders or they're emerging out as great, you know, known uh, people. So then it, it's working you know so then there is this uh dialogue and you know this tendency of uh, trying to understand what is it that is helping them flourish in the ministry so much mm-hmm. so i would say i would say it is working but then yes of course this whole um uh, concern of young people not coming back i think it's now right. hitting india as well mm-hmm. because as we say it was it was always a concern i mean for a long time not always a concern uh, in the us and yeah. uh, western countries but then now i think yes uh, in the last the last decade, I would say it is hitting India also, mm-hmm. uh, specifically in cities, in, in, in the bigger cities, in metropolitans, because young people have so much to do. There are so much of dreams, so much of goals. There is this, uh, it, it's the same. I mean, we understand. Yeah. There is this uh, urge of earning money, of having a status, of a lifestyle. And so when they get involved in all of that, it it is most likely that, you know, ministry, church, uh, this becomes a secondary or maybe the last priority. Mm-hmm. So we we now feel at times that, you know, there is a lot of investment put into young people. For example, someone like me, a lot has been put to make me what I am today. A lot of uh, formation, a lot mm-hmm. of financial support because, you know, the, the as I said, the youth leaders, you know, their finances are taken care in terms of mm-hmm. when they have to travel. Uh, like when I had to travel across the country, it was always taken care of. Mm-hmm. So now if after all of this uh, you know I suddenly just take up a job and I just leave my right. entire support to the ministry it's like that investment of years of forming one catholic leader it you know just goes waste so right. we are, that is becoming a concern now we see mm-hmm. uh, especially at uh, you know the higher levels again because yeah. in the parish they remain so they are there but the higher levels you know we feel that at times uh, we have formed a group of young people but then two years or three years down the line they're nowhere to be seen mm-hmm. and then you have to you know again form a new but group, start
0: all over yeah
1: yeah so that is hitting but then we are able to still somehow able to uh balance it work mm-hmm. upon it
0: I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Percival Holt about the Catholic Church in India. This is all part of our Ave Explorer series on Catholicism around the world. You can find all of the content we're creating podcasts, videos, articles, social media exclusives, everything available at avemariapress.com, where you can sign up to get the weekly email invites straight to your inbox so you can get all of this content about the Catholic Church globally to help us understand and love the Catholic Church in our particular areas where we already are. Well, I mean, from from what I see you share online, there seems to be a vibrancy when there's a gathering that there's the um, a distinct part of Indian culture is that gathering together, that community, like you mentioned, the tribal dances that you mentioned earlier. What do you think translates into some of these gatherings from Indian, let's just say secular culture or, or parts of, of, the very visible and identifiable elements of Indian culture that like I would even know about from America, how does that translate into, into worship or into gathering or into, you know, even just like some of this formation, like you're talking about. Um, and, and, and that's kind of the main question of this whole series is like, what's unique about Indian Catholicism? What would I want to know about the church in India? And again, of course, from your experience with working with young people, how do you see that translated through?
1: I I this is my personal uh, you know reflection and feeling that I think in in, in this aspect India is is blessed. Mm-hmm. Uh one is because India has had this uh, uh you know for in for Indians, I mean for for people who are uh, you know born and brought up in India or an, an ancient for Indians, culture, tradition, you know, uh, ethnic background holds a lot of value, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know the culture I belong to, the traditions my family and ancestors have practiced, you know the maybe the the faith life that has been followed, you know the rituals we have practiced, it is it has a lot of value. And it is precisely this uh, you know, this uh, internal value which has helped uh, faith uh, and community life uh, grow in India. Mm-hmm. you know, for example, uh, irrespective of religion, I think all the religions, whether whichever religion you belong to in India, there is this sense of you know connection with the divine. There is this uh, reverence for uh, the master. You know, I mean, for you know, mm-hmm. we say in, in, in Hindi, we say guru, or you know, uh, like a priest. You know, like we revere priests and religious a lot. Similarly, people of all the other religions they revere their own masters a lot. You know, their spiritual leaders a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, similarly. Uh, this value for family life, community life has been very important. Mm -hmm. So family is very important to an Indian person, you know, that is, and that involves a lot of things, you know, how I will, how the parents love their children and, you know, bring them up, how children then uh, would reciprocate and, you know, uh, not say return the favor, but then, you know, feel that obligation to take care of their parents, you know, how siblings would feel connected to one another, you know, that responsibility that I have in nurturing my younger sibling. So that is, is is very essential, very important in India. And that is the reason why we still have, you know, that culture of of joint families mm-hmm. or, you know, children, even though being adults, they live with their families because it's about, you know, being there for one another mm-hmm. because that culture. Now, that that is what helps, uh, I would say, the person or young people to grow again nurture in that uh, lifestyle in mm-hmm. that culture in that faith belief system to also address their problems because it's when they stay together you know someone even of my age today uh, you know i i know i i know that i i can dialogue with my mother with my father yeah. you know share about my problems those those things that is the first thing second thing is uh, this sense of you know being god fearing or being god fearing people you know whether it is bound by myths or blind belief, but then it mm-hmm. is there. Then I mean, with all the faiths, you know, there is this sense of being God-fearing, of knowing there is, you know, of, uh, uh, what do you say, as I said, reverting the divine, you know. Uh, and uh, so you will see all the religions, you know, they will follow their rituals. Mm-hmm. Even if someone is very successful in life, very, you know, very, what do you say, liberal in mindset, but then they will do their rituals. They will say their morning prayers. You know, they will go to the temple or to the church or the mosque, wherever, you know, they will follow those things. Mm -hmm. So that is there. And uh, I think that that love for God is a common feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, like, for example, you see whether when a person gets married, whether it's a Christian wedding or it's a Hindu wedding, you know, they would want to make sure that, you know, uh, uh, that spirituality is there, Mm -hmm. you know this whole uh, feeling of a spiritual connection in the person. And, uh, you know, so it, it translates into various things. That's why this uh, meditation and yoga, all these things are very important, you know, to mm. people here. So I think that is how this, uh, the, you know, this has been a blessing in India because of having that cultural background, which has carried on for generations. And still even today, uh, people even of our generation, they would still, even though they live a very modern life, they would go to clubs, pubs, travel the world, but then they would want to transfer that to their children. You know,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know
1: the clothes they wear, the language they speak, the belief system they have, the lifestyle they have, the rituals they practice, particularly.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, every
1: every part of the country you will see their weddings have different rituals. Mm-hmm. You know, now the, the beauty the beauty is even though if they are Catholics, you know but they will follow those traditions and rituals of their local uh, cultures. Mm -hmm. So you will see a Catholic wedding where they may not wear a white gown. They may wear a red sari, or they may wear, you know, a pink, uh, you know, or maybe a langa or whatever. I'm just saying, Mm -hmm. you know, or so, you know, those are the things they will have the rituals, which is common. You will see, you will see the same rituals in a Hindu wedding, the same in a Christian wedding. The only difference happens of the mass of maybe the other prayers that the others Mm -hmm. have. Yeah. So I think so that is how culture and tradition has played a big role in India in that common uh, you know value system
0: mm-hmm. that
1: we we all believe in. So that's where we all uh, you know connect with one another irrespective of the religion.
0: We yeah, they, I mean, you said something in there that struck me about the connections with family, especially I know in India, multi generational living is a huge element. So people will stay, you know, they'll live with their parents and their grandparents. Um, or there's, I mean, this is a really cheesy connection point, but we have HGTV in America where you watch people redesign their homes. And one episode was an Indian couple and his family comes and lives with them six months out of the year, his mom and his dad, because it's a huge trip to make to the States, but also because that's something that they wanted their children to stay connected to. I love this aspect and that idea that that intergenerational living, that family staying close together. Uh, How do you think that, I mean, it obviously influences being able to talk about big things, but how do you think that's maybe something that the rest of the world could benefit from? Like, what, do, what does the rest of the world, what does the rest of the church need to know about those family values that that really come to life in Indian culture?
1: See, uh, even during the Synod, Pope Francis and in Christus Weavath also, he spoke about you know, this dialogue and connection between the older generations and the younger generation mm-hmm. and how important it is for the youngsters to share and learn from the experiences of the elders and for the elders to, uh, you know, learn from the enthusiasm and, uh, you know, the, the new ideas of the younger generations. So I think it's it's pretty much the same value uh, that translates, I mean, that, that has been working uh, at a very different level without this much of... Uh, you know, uh, awareness into it. So <clears throat> it's, it's pretty much the same, you know, like even in my house, at my home, um, I stay, of course, I stay at the National Youth Center now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we are three of us here, a priest, and two of us uh, young people, and people. You know, we, we have more young people joining us and all mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but then at my home, also, we are three generations. I have my grandmother and my parents, and of course, um, you know, me and my siblings. Mm-hmm. And now that that helps because uh, how it works is because I I, I learn two sets of values. One, what my parents have given me for, for maybe all my life so far. Mm-hmm. I would rather say three. One is what my parents have brought me up with. Uh, the second is what then, you know, the grandparents have to offer. Mm-hmm. Now what they have to share, like even today, you know, when I'm in a difficult situation, I would share it with my mother and my grandmother. And uh, they both would have a different, because of the difference of generation, a different mm-hmm. uh, counsel to offer, I would say. And uh, it really helps because I, I get the perspective of two different generations and then I'm able to put, you know, my own generation. And then the, the third that comes is what we learn from the society, mm-hmm. from the world around us. And I think that's how, like, as you said also, it's it's very important and it this is something... As you know, what Pope Francis said is something that I think the world, it is important now to explore because what I see with a lot of young people who are disconnected with, it's its its, it's beginning in India also now where young people, you know, they, they want to stay separate, they want to stay away from, you know, the other generations. Now, what I have noticed of my interaction with a lot of these young people, uh, I'm not sure, uh, but I I think it would be the same even in the US and other countries, is when they get into a situation that is new, you know, that is that is you know unforeseen, uh, at times there are few who are able to cope up and sail through it, but there are few who don't know how to go about it, mm-hmm. you know. And then you go through this whole stress and this whole uh, you know uh, not able to find a solution, and that's when a lot of young people would fall out. You know, they would either develop uh, psychological problems or you know just maybe. Uh, take the wrong path or something but then what happens is when you have this uh, family you know this intergenerational uh, living is at times even though uh, you don't share but then you know they are able to see you mm-hmm. know uh, like it has happened with me or friends at times you know that the maybe the parents would see and try to dialogue with you if as mm-hmm. to what is bothering you now you may not have that uh, you know comfort with your parents. You know, because it, it's usually a very transactional relationship for many. Mm-hmm. So, but then when when the third generation, or you know, when your grandparent comes and sits with you and you know says, "Okay, let's talk. What's what's wrong?" Mm-hmm. Now that is where you know because you have an obligation, and you know that 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 value system is there. You know, you even though you may not like her, but then because she's your grandmother or he's your grandfather. Uh, you would uh, give in and, and then that helps mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of young people so I think this is something that uh, it's worth trying because I know in India it has worked Yeah, it has worked so a lot of the, why we say uh, you know like the broken for example broken marriages uh, the number is still quite low in India
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, is because of this reason because really? the family uh, the parents I mean the parents and grandparents the elder generations they somehow are involved in that whole union mm-hmm. You know, and they have a role tomorrow when the, the two are having, uh, you know, a rough patch or, you know, <clears throat> it is the parents, the grandparents or some uncle or auntie who would come and be the mediator and, you know, mm-hmm. really help you fix things and sort it out.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so I think that is how it works and helps at a lot of, you know, levels, yeah. uh, a lot of other.
0: There's something beautiful, I think, in that. I, I mean, I, I definitely think the Lord has a hand in that element of the culture, right? And keeping the family together because that's a huge crisis in this. I mean, the 50% divorce rate in the States is certainly something that the church uh, has been affected and influenced by um, no doubt about it. Percival, if we were to, like I said, if I were to hop off a plane in New Delhi, I would see crowds. I would see the busyness of the city. If I were to go to a church in India uh, with you to go to mass what's the one thing you hope I notice? And that's kind of the the last question I've been asking all of our guests. Like, what's the one thing that you would want me to be able to really pay attention to when I'm worshiping in India that's unique to the Catholic church there?
1: It would be a very peculiar cultural act that you might, it might blow your mind off. You know, you would be like, oh my God, is it Catholic to do that? (laughs) You know, but then it, it, you know there have been times we have had discussions on whether it is liturgically correct or not uh, but then that it, it means a lot to people so for mm-hmm. example uh, you know uh, this uh, you know arti you know so it, it it has a symbolical meaning so you would see probably uh, what what is can mass, you tell
0: me what that is
1: it's 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 uh it's it's called arti
0: mm-hmm. you know in in,
1: in hindi uh it, it it's basically you know um, uh, you know they will use candle i mean light incense and uh, it could be flowers mm-hmm. now that that has a symbolical meaning it okay. is you know basically you know offering uh, you know it's 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 offering as well as uh, it's like adoring like we do with like we do it with incense mm-hmm. right so you know so you will see places where they would, the bishop or the main celebrant, you know, before the mass would, you know, incense the altar, but not mm-hmm. using a thurible, but you know, using uh, the, you know a local culture. Okay. Similarly, uh, various other you know such as you would see maybe a tribal, a very peculiar uh, prayer dance, you know, where the main celebrants are led to the altar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would see this uh, uh, singing and all of this. In a very uh you know local uh, style, or you know, you might hear it in some Bollywood movies, that kind of a music where there's a lot of uh, beats and all that, mm. you know. So these are a few things that you would notice uh in in especially in the mass, in, in India, in whichever part of the country. I think I've I've noticed all of the parts of the country, it's beautiful. They will they will put their uh, local cultural uh, practices into the mass, mm-hmm. and I think that is what makes it really meaningful because they are able to connect with it. Then, yeah, you know, the, for example, people of certain tribal areas would use bamboo and all these things, and you know, play music with that. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that is what is something apart from, of course, uh, the architecture. You will find a lot of different architecture, like in India, which is not just Gregorian or. Uh, you know those actors. You will find churches made in probably a very uh, cultural, ethnic, uh, you know, typical Indian form. Mm-hmm. Or you know, you would find a Mother Mary who's wearing a sari. You know, you would find a Jesus who's probably sitting with cross legs. Yeah. So you know, these are these are a few uh, things here and there. But then yes, it's it's you will see a lot of this because which I I didn't notice this much in in the other places, at least a few countries that I've been. Uh it's it's mostly we we have a little there is this common uh like the for example, a mass in Canada and US or probably in Europe would be the same in -hmm. terms of the clothes they wear, the -hmm. the, things that are used. But in India you would see different. You would see the vestment maybe made of you know bamboo fiber, you would see the vestment made maybe by a local in a village somewhere. So Mm -hmm. it will be you know, knitted with their local uh, fibers and threads and their own designs and their own, you know, these uh, textures and all of yeah. that.
0: Yeah,
1: You would see the things they use may not be, it may not be, a, you know, a metal, Uh, uh what do you say, a metal ciborium or a chalice. Mm-hmm. It might be a bamboo chalice. It might be a wooden one. It might mm-hmm. be a very, you know, so those things, uh, I think is what you would uniquely notice. Yeah.
0: They factor in. That's beautiful. Well, I can't wait to, um, we'll of course link down in the show notes, the youth center and the work that you guys are doing. Thanks so much for taking the time, first of all, I know it's late at night over there. Uh, I'm really, really grateful that you took the time for us.
1: Oh, it was, uh, it was a joy, absolute joy.
0: There's such vibrancy, there's such growth, um, there's such hope for the church in India. Again, one of the more rapidly growing Christian denominations, the largest Christian denomination in India, despite the fact that, again, it's just 1.5% of the total population. I think that gives us some great perspective, not only on how how many people are in India, but how the Catholic Church is is vibrantly active within the church in India. You know, most people think of the church in India, and they immediately think of Mother Teresa the famous nun, the saint, who worked in India, especially with the impoverished. And she had a a kind of a code within her, her work, within the missionaries of charity, within the whole order, that they would help anybody, Catholic, Christian, or not, that their goal was to love people. And it seems to me that that's very much at the heart of the church in India, to love and to share the gospel with people in a loving and charitable way. And and in doing so, it's growing. The church in India is growing. The church in India is thriving. There's great beauty within the intersection of the culture, as we have learned from many of the other conversations with people from around the world, ultimately showcasing and showing the Catholic church in India as a a beacon of hope, a, a, a gem in the crown of the Catholic church, a place that we can look to, to learn from, to appreciate, to respect, and to continue to watch to see how it's going to continue thriving and growing. This, of course, is all part of our Ave Explores series on Catholicism around the world. We hope that you go check out all of the content we're creating for you over at avemariapress.com, the podcasts, the videos, the articles, the social media exclusives. You can sign up and get the emails straight to your inbox to learn more about what we're creating, as well as learn more about our next series, which will be launching in mid-April about faith and science and the intersection of faith and science sign up on the website so you don't miss any of the updates about that content and as always we'd be grateful for a rating and a review of this show sharing it with your friends always helps us get more listens helps the program continue to grow help this ministry of of sharing about catholics and their real stories from around the world with more of you we're always grateful that you have subscribed we're grateful that you tune in we're grateful for the shares we're grateful for the ratings we're just grateful that you're here we're happy that you're part of our ave explorers family We can't wait to see you next week with some more great content about the Catholic Church in Africa and the Caribbean, and continue digging into the church universal, and how looking at the church universally can help us love the church particularly. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.